Hello there, you're very welcome to another episode of National Leprechaun Museum Talking Stories. I'm Eleanor and joining me today is Tom, the director of the museum. Hello. Hello Eleanor, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Not bad at all. Um, Can I ask you, before we uh, start talking about uh, the story we're going to discuss today, is there any stories that you've been enjoying recently? Whether that's in your all in your beautiful books or on Netflix or the radio, what's what's ringing my bell? What's now? ringing your bell? Uh, for light relief, I have a book, a nice book on landscape architecture and really about planting hedges and trees, and that's very satisfactory. And one of the really interesting things about it is the kind of picture at after a year, and then there's another picture after ten years, and then another picture after twenty five years. So you can see how the trees have formed the canopies and how they've managed to, the way the trees are supposed to look and how people sort of interact, like sitting underneath the trees in, in hot climates. Um, so it's really nice to see, but it's an extraordinarily long period of time for people to be sitting, to look at a programme and go, okay, this is going to have an effect in 25 years' time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are remarkable pictures uh, in some of them, just to, to see how the whole thing comes together. Yes, indeed. Sounds like... Um a book that was a long time in the making. I guess. <laughs> the, the old adage, you know, when's the best time to plant a tree? Mm-hmm. 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, and the next best time is today. So that's a lesson for everybody. Long-term thinking is really good, but you need to start. Yes, indeed. And the idea of of planting a legacy that, you know, planning for something that you're, you're not going to see the full effects of. No, as, as, as they say, you don't plant a tree to sit under it yourself. No, um, so I haven't heard that before. It, it is leaving something for others. Um, and I think it's one of the things that when you're in places that someone's actually made decisions about the place you're in, mm-hmm. where, where the chairs are, how the buildings look, where the trees are, how you access certain things. Um, and even when we were over in Chantry Park, that designed by Herbert Sims, you look mm-hmm. at all those buildings that he produced back in the day and how much effort was taken in and how he was thinking about the people who were going to live there and how they were going to you know, come together as communities. And, you know, that's really interesting. It is. Um. So I'll... <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Next one, of the things, one of the things that really interested me um, was um, uh, how we make spaces and how... Um, look, it's really hard to see things when you're so enmeshed in them. Yeah. It's really hard to understand how things operate um, until you be able to stand outside them. And uh, there are, that's where I, sp- I spend a little bit of time looking at those kind of things. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's one of the things I, I, find, my, I find myself interested in mm. is what can't we see? What are we missing? What do we not see? I, I said many years ago, I went to Copenhagen and I was amazed how relaxed I was in the city. And then I realised eventually there were no 48-sheet billboards. Really? Nothing catching your eye line, nothing drawing your attention to sell you more stuff. And you're going, okay, I realised. But it's hard to see things that aren't there or yeah. things that you miss. You're blind to things, mm-hmm. you know. And so working out what we're blind to or, you know, that's interesting for me. That is really interesting. Um, and I think your note about... Um, things being um missing or trying to work out things when when they're when they're not visible to us brings us nicely to the story we're going to talk about today 
okay. which is of uh, the pig-faced woman of Dublin okay. in Stevens' hospital, and how this um, and and how so much of this story came from the fact that you couldn't really see this woman's face. Okay, yeah, Sorry, that's where I got it. <laughs> okay, yeah, um, and. It, it's interesting when we can't see things we, we have to find reasons for it yeah um, and I guess often we're, we're we tend to make sometimes unkind comments about things and mm. often that's the biggest energy in something is where there's a downside to it or there's a nasty comment and that gets more attention mm. um, and more imagine, imaginings because mm-hmm. I think we risk less when things are negative about other people than when we say something positive about them. That's true. Even when we, um, you know, they say that you'd pay far more attention to uh, an unkind word or comment about you or something you've done than all the, the nice things or constructive things. Is that our internal critic? Yes, yeah. but that's, you know, we pay more attention to the the negative than we do the positive. You know, and maybe that's something to... to when we go and give people positive messages that we construct them properly and that the positive messages are given in a way that are acceptable or mm. easily accepted. Mm. And I heard recently someone saying, you know, when someone made you comment, you go, thank you very much. Yes, indeed. Just re- receive it all gladly. It's like um, the compliment sandwich. Oh. You know the compliment sandwich? No. Oh, okay. So it's a really... Um, really uh, helpful way of giving someone feedback and yeah. constructive criticism is if you've got like a, a suggestion for, for them to, to improve on, yeah. then you put it in between to uh, a compliment uh, before and a compliment after. Or not necessarily a compliment, but a more positive bit of feedback. I heard this referred to as a shit sandwich. Huh. Uh, the shit goes in the middle of the two, the two slices of bread. You so it, it's, yeah. <laughs> it is, as you say, the criticism and the two ways of looking at the same thing. Mm. I would have thought like, because I've heard that expression before, but I thought it was like three or more shit or negative things one after the other. Like first you've got X, Y and now Z, this really is a shit sandwich. Or oh, I thought that was a shit show. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> What more could you want? (laughs) It's all gone too. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Mm. Well, speaking of um, muck, the pig-faced woman of Dublin. Muck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Being the artwork for pig. Nice. Yes. Yes. What's that? What's that Irish expression for um, flying on the pig's back? Um, Winnemucca. Okay, yeah. Is that it? Grimnemucca. Grimnemucca. Grim. Yeah. D a trim at the pig's back. How did I get that wrong for I so don't many know. years? Oh, that's fair. I'm only doing Irish on Duolingo at the moment. Oh, are you? Yeah. Nice yeah. for yeah. you. Quignemucca is the madri to the pigs and dogs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, but all of this is is um, yeah. It's hard. It's uh, again. It's hard to see things um, unless someone shows. And when you, when they show you something, another way of things that were or how they were, mm. it completely changed your opinion then of what is possible or uh, how things have moved on. 
Um, so it's extraordinary. Um, so we all need uh, people to bring a mirror to our um, our viewpoints. We're blinkered fairly much, I think. Yes, indeed. But that's part of life. Even um, the setting for this story, Dr. Stevens's Hospital, um, which is now the, the headquarters of, of the HSC, uh, the uh, Irish National Health Service. Um, it's this big like a Georgian yellow building that up until the 1980s was actually a working hospital, mm. wasn't it? Mm. Um, and now it's a big office building and a library. Um, but it's one of those um, buildings that I think is, is, is hidden in plain sight. Yeah. That if you're, if you're, it's right beside Houston Station, and I used to pass by it um, every morning and evening coming to and from work. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's this because there's not many yellow buildings in Dublin, but um, you wouldn't know what it was or what it, or what it used to be unless I don't know. You knew some odd stories about had Dublin, a, like we do. Yeah, had an occasion to find yes. out about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and with that, I think it's time to look at this story, The okay. Pig-Faced Woman of Dublin. And this story is told by Emily. The story begins one cold winter's night. The wind was howling and snow was piling up in the streets. Icicles hung from every roof and Jack Frost was biting at any poor soul who happened to be outdoors. On this bitter night, a knock came upon the door of Mr. and Mrs. Stevens. Mr. and Mrs. Stevens were the creme de la creme of Dublin society. They had everything a young couple could hope for. They were both handsome, they were both rich, they had a young son, Robert, who was their pride and joy, but they lacked kindness, and indeed their hearts were as cold as the bitter winter wind which roamed the streets of Dublin that night. The poor figure who knocked at the door of the Stevenses would find no charity there, even though the beggar woman who stood there was big with child and had another little one cradled in her arms. When she was dismissed, the beggar woman pleaded to be given some shelter even if she was just allowed to sit in the stable somewhere away from the bitter cold with her child. Mrs. Stevens, who had come to the door, again dismissed her, and the child held in the beggar woman's arms began to set up a pitiful wailing. Be gone with you, and take that screaming piglet with you. Piglet, is it? Well, you'll soon see a piglet of your own. And the beggar woman left, carrying her child with her. But she left something behind. For you see, the beggar woman was not the only one who was carrying a babe in her belly. Mrs. Stevens herself was also pregnant. And when the child came, well, the beggar woman's curse was revealed. Mrs. Stevens gave birth to a baby girl. Now, the child was perfectly healthy. She had all of the limbs in the correct places, the correct number of fingers and toes. She screamed and gurgled and did all the things expected of a newborn baby. But her face, oh, the face of this child. It was the face of a pig. 
and as if that wasn't bad enough, the Stevenses decided to name her Griselda, shortened to Grizzly, though whether as a term of affection or of mockery, I cannot say. The Stevenses were greatly ashamed of their pig-faced daughter and did all they could to lock her away from the world, hoping that out of sight would mean out of mind as well. But their son, Robert, well, he loved his sister, regardless of what her face looked like, and he took it upon himself to protect her from the cruelty and neglect of their parents. It may have been Robert Stevens who commissioned the famous silver trough to make it more easy for Griselda to eat her soup. Little Robert Stevens, in time, went away to university and became Dr. Stevens. And Griselda, well, Griselda, though she could not follow in her brother's footsteps, she did follow him in her mind. She read all of the medical textbooks. She corresponded with him, asking for all the information he could provide about the lectures he studied, about the theories of anatomy. And so she became, in fact, as knowledgeable in the art of medicine as her brother, the doctor. But Dr. Robert Stevens, he always worried about his poor sister. You see, the world, it is cruel to most people, but it's cruel to pig-faced women in particular. He worried what would happen to Griselda when he was no longer there to protect her. And so he made a provision in his will to see that she would always be cared for. He left her his great fortune, the revenue from his estates, and a condition that when she in turn passed on, whatever remained should be used to build a hospital. Griselda thought this idea of building a hospital to be a capital one. But why should it wait until she was dead? Surely they should begin to build the hospital now. And so it was. The hospital was built. And Griselda had a set of apartments built inside the hospital where she herself could reside and look over the care of the patients. And so it was done. But one night, many years later, one cold and bitter night, when the ice was thick upon the roads, there was a terrible accident, and a young man was brought to the hospital, it believed by all to be on the point of death. As it happened, the only soul at the hospital able to care for the young man was Griselda Stevens, and she nursed him night and day, though always taking care to obscure her face with a veil lest the sight of her pig-like visage should cause him such distress that it would undo all of her healing work. The young man made a remarkable recovery and became exceptionally fond of this healing angel who had come to his rescue. In fact, so fond, he proposed to her, even though he had never seen her face. He believed that she must be beautiful, for someone so kind and with such a beautiful heart must have a beautiful face. It was not till after the wedding, when the happy couple went to their bedchamber, that he saw his mistake. For when Griselda pulled back her veil, he was greeted not by the sight of a beautiful woman, but by the face of a pig. The bridegroom screamed in horror at the sight before him. He believed that this had been some trick. He had been duped into marrying this hideous creature. He took Griselda and locked her away 
hoping never again to have to lay eyes upon this hideous creature that was his bride. He sent letters to all of his acquaintance, explaining that shortly after their marriage, his wife had contracted some strange illness and died. And what of Griselda, locked away by her husband? Did she become some Bertha Mason figure, a mad wife screaming in the attic? Well, not quite. Griselda just repeated to herself, May insides match outsides. May insides match outsides. No one saw the young man, the young bridegroom, for many weeks. His friends began to worry that whatever illness had taken his wife may have taken him too. And at last they came to the house. When they knocked on the door, they received no answer. Perturbed by this, they broke down the door and began to search the house for any sign of their friend. They could find none. No sign of the young man, the bridegroom. No sign of his wife, Griselda Stevens. But they did find, in the master's chamber, grunting and snuffling and snorting, an enormous pig. And it's said that in Stevens's hospital, walking through the grounds, there was occasionally seen the figure of a woman, but she always took care to hide her face behind a veil, and none thought to question her. And that is the story of the pig-faced woman of Dublin. And that was Emily telling us the story of the pig-faced woman of Dublin. Uh, she is a very good uh, voice and tone for a story like that. It reminds me so much of the first half of the story is really like a Disney fairy tale. Yes. To me, you know, I think it's, it's um, you know, there, there's a howling winter wind and an old woman um, knocks on the, the door of this, this rich couple, this rich family for shelter. They're turned away. Uh, she places a curse on the family. I think this is pretty much how Beauty and the Beast goes. Okay. Um, and um, then the, 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 the rich family's uh, unborn child is cursed with the face of a pig. But despite that, um, and d d despite her... Her, her her parents who don't seem the nicest people she grows up kind and caring and generous she starts a hospital with her brother she becomes a, a healer um and after that it becomes a revenge story yeah. really yeah. that's where the yeah, disney stops yeah um yeah it's like especially in those sort of modern disney um princess stories where they're like huh she's got to have skills and abilities now Yes. Our, yeah, our princesses. Yes. Yeah. Um, so in Beauty and the Beast, like in 1990, it was, oh, she can read. And uh, and in the 2017 remake, oh, she can read and she builds things. Okay. Yeah, so she's a hero now, girls, um, by the doll. So um, I think um, you don't often find, at least, you know, not when I'm... Um, reading through uh, stories for the museum, you don't often find um, stories that, 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 that align so close to those sort of fairy tale tropes. Okay. You know, your, your Cinderella's 
with um, the furry rat or squirrel shoes or the um, is it rat or squirrel that the that the glass slippers were originally made from I don't I don't know I don't know I, I remember the Italian that they were version furry. of Cinderella yeah. <laughs> mozzarella <laughs> sorry it's okay <laughs> the um, so it sounds to me like there's a, probably a few stories wanted to get out there yeah and they're competing with each other mm. so the first thing is Griselda herself so it's said that she had some kind of uh, difficulty with her eyes and yes. she couldn't take the, the harsh sunlight mm. so and that was the reason for the veil mm-hmm. and you go okay but of course it's much more amusing or to have some kind of um, uh, supernatural disfigurement yes yes an affliction mm, I can imagine because we get so little sunlight here in Ireland that the sight of someone you know on a, on a sunny day or even just in the daylight walking around with a veil over her face or trying to hide away from the sunlight is really suspicious because we're trying to soak up as much of it as we can you know anytime there's um a sunny a sunny day in dublin half the men walking around will just take off their tops you know so i can i can see why people thought that's very suspicious something must be going on there indeed um and so and obviously um those kind of conversations probably a flight of fancy in some mm. pub conversation yeah. um, and away it goes and takes wing but that the story of pig faced women particularly mm. has travelled across Europe um, and we we see a number of, of iterations of that story and probably closer to the fairy tale trope mm. um, in that um, the parents offer a dairy or um, and the first two suitors run away having seen the uh, attracted by the amount of money mm. but then um, uh, resistant to the the attractions on offer um, and the final husband arrives up uh, finds out that she's a beautiful person inside um, and they go to bed on their wedding night and uh, she says to him I and this is a kind of a Shrek moment mm. I can either be beautiful here with you in bed or I can be beautiful outdoors but I can't be both your choice and the husband looks at her and says no it's not my choice it's your choice and then the spell is broken having given her the power to decide her own fate that's like um, in the Canterbury Tales the wife of Bath's yes. tale it also reminds me of this other... I think the probably the most recent iteration of the pig-faced woman story is... It was actually a film that came out in 2006 called Penelope. Do you okay. know it? No. Um, Christina Ritchie okay. <laughs> is, um, is this girl who's um, born with a pig's nose okay. because of a curse that's been placed in her family. Yes. A family of, of, of blue bloods and nobility. And the curse apparently can only be lifted once she is loved by one of her own kind. Okay. Uh, so as soon as she's old enough, like as you were describing, uh, the parents are like are bringing as many 
blue-blooded men in to, to, to court her and to marry her as they can. Um, but once they actually see her, you know, they're all running away. Um, the butler running behind them to get them to sign NDAs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but eventually the curse is actually lifted when she's able to say that she likes herself for who she is. Okay. And it's like, ah, oh, her own kind. Okay. Um, it's a nice film. Okay, yes. You know, it's nice. It, yeah, it's a capital N nice film. Okay, yeah. fair enough. And Reese Witherspoon is in it. But... Um, <laughs> there are other curses. And, um, and it's funny because... Um, when I heard this was this is going to be the story of pig face woman, the one that always always uh, that reminded me immediately was was the hair lip. Oh. Um, and people born with a cleft palate, and mm. it was said that um, uh, and that uh, their mother must have interacted with the hair. Yes. Or touched the hair, or touched someone who had been a hair, like a witch. Mm-hmm. Um. And this was, uh, um, a, it's an, an extraordinary, um, obviously people trying to explain what's going on, but mm. there seems to be this connection between being pregnant mm. and then this thing happening. And while you're, while you're in that vulnerable state, mm-hmm. that, um, that things can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think it brings out that kind of blue blood line that, um, how, how would you say it, that, um, interbreeding moment where the, the you know in order to preserve the uh, the, the blue bloodedness of the whole situation that they, they might go down towards some kind of um, uh, consanguine deformity is that how you phrase it <laughs> um, so those two things ran, ran in my in my ran, ran together hand in hand down the field of my imagination <laughs> that's a great way to put it why do you know why hairs? Is it because pukas could turn into hairs, or? Um, I well, there is uh, there is a couple of things going to so it, it um, in in my world in my mind uh, hairs have no home. Hmm. They make a set, but like deers and hares, otherworldly creatures have no fixed abode. Right. And there's many a story, obviously, with the hair out in the morning suckling the milk from the cow, and then the the man chasing the the hare. And uh, wounding it, and then finding an old woman sitting in a in a cabin somewhere that uh, uh, sporting the same wound. Mm. Um, so there seems to be that kind of otherworldly nature to those kind of creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the hair um, in in many cultures gets its split lip from uh, badly carrying a message from the other world to the humans, oh. and that it's punished by um, a smack in the face splitting its lip wow um, so the me- the hair is messenger of some kind seems to be quite a quite a thing mm. well hairs are meant to be fast I suppose if you're going to send a message with any animal why wouldn't you send it by hair mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well because they can't be trusted they'll get it all mixed up then you got to give them a smack you're better, <laughs> off getting the, better off getting the tortoise to deliver the message yes <laughs> <laughs> um, so that would be my take on that, and I think it's really interesting. Um, what you, what might be really interesting for someone to have a look at that story and how it's how it moves across Europe mm. in, into England and then to Ireland, and how we find ways to apply it mm. to things that have happened in our environment, 
or that we know of and then we go oh yeah there's that story mm -hmm. and here's some components that we can put it against everyone knows where Dr. Stevens Hospital is yes. and there was Griselda and if someone had a big um, silver trough for, for wine or mm. a wine apern mm. and someone said no no that's not that's not an apern that's a trough yeah. and there's a boar's head in it it's a pig it's for, yeah because <laughs> so what a, what a fabulous story would we make um, and if I was sitting in a tavern down near Dr. Stephen's Hospital, mm. listening to it and, and perhaps even catching a glimpse of a veiled woman in the darkness walking through the ground of Stephen's Hospital and be going, it must be true. Yes, indeed. Um, I said earlier how, you know, Griselda grows up to be this this lovely woman who who cares for people in the hospital and becomes you know and, and 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 heals them and looks after them and and uh, it's really kind but you know hell hath no fury like a woman scorned and it seems that when the now the the husband is very cruel to reject her but yes. it does seem that she ends up does having a, a streak of malevolence malevolence okay. something from her parents okay anyway perhaps um and maybe um a a streak of something from that old woman who placed this curse on her when she was um, when uh, she, yes. before she was born. Some sort of magic. Maybe that just came with having a face of a pig in general. I don't know. It's, it does seem um, it does seem extraordinary that. Um, well, first of all, he said she was dead. Okay, yeah. so I'm going. Where's the body then? Yeah. Like, because if, if my wife has been seriously afflicted by this disease, I've sent her off to recuperate in a warmer climate. Mm. Yeah? That kind of pushes, Good husband the, yeah. pushes the, the problem away. Yeah. Um, uh, the giant pig in the bedroom. Um, uh, yeah? How did it get there in the first place? Um, I've, that's, and what, where was Griselda? And she, was the husband turned into a pig or was he eaten by the pig? Oh, I'd always thought that she turned him into a pig but okay. then you're like does she just leave the hospital then I don't know but like and then you find this pig in the room and you go could it be John is that John just yeah because mm. you, you'd be worried if you were going to kill the pig that it's actually your mate John or whatever the guy's yeah. you'd be a bit worried that it'd be mm. him and you go okay we better figure out whether it's him or not and then you had to find out things to the that he didn't like in his life or that he did like. Yeah. So if he didn't like turnips, mm. but he did like mushrooms, you'd put a plate of mushrooms, a plate of turnips down and see which one the pig went for. Of course. And then you go, yeah, no, it can't be him. Yeah. Okay. If this was a cartoon, he'd be wearing like, John, even as a pig, would be wearing like his jacket or, or his, his tie neck, or his something. Tie, his <laughs> neckerchief, that's right. Yeah, and, and if it was God. Griselda had turned into a pig, we would know because she would have longer eyelashes. And that's how you know that animals are girl animals in cartoons. Okay. I thought that John would have a monocle as a pig. Oh. I thought that would just be, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely it. Because of his short-sightedness, perhaps. Uh, yes, in the, whole, yeah. in the whole story. Yeah. Excellent. I like that. That's great. Because, mm -hmm. you know, they say that um, the guy agrees to marry Griselda not even having seen her face. Which is a leap of faith, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but he says that, oh, well, her she her heart and her generosity is so beautiful, she must have a beautiful face to go with it. Her Which sausages and rashers. <laughs> Just beautiful. Um, and that's, you know, it doesn't really work like that. Um, 
but that's love for you, I suppose. It is. But then, um, you know, there's that famous Roald Dahl quote that says, um, no one who was good can ever be truly ugly because when they do good things and think good thoughts, I'm paraphrasing, um, then that goodness shines out of their face and they'll always be lovely. Luminously. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I hear you. There are no pig-faced men. Like, that's a bit of a... Yeah. And so... There must be some. There must be something interesting there, mm. in order to say this is this is a. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm reminded of Bluebeard's castle for some reason. In that, um, he keeps having to chase women. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the idea that, um, well, of course they're you know, they're what you call ugly women and ugly men, and ugly men, um, perhaps are far too common. Far to too common. <laughs> but ugly women are monstrous, maybe? The old hag. The, the old monstrous hag. old hag. Yeah. Yeah, the toothless crone. Yeah, because what use is there for a woman who's ugly? Whoa, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Especially if she's young. Okay. I hear you. It is, uh, but it is uh, appearances being uh, a key uh, thing in it's, it's, ha- it's part of your capital. It is, I suppose, it is. As yeah. it is so, today, party of social course. capital. Yeah. It is. Um, there was, a, I heard someone who was commenting about their ex-husband, and they were giving advice to their daughter, and said, "Yeah, um, never marry a cute guy." Um, that you're better off with someone a bit plainer because they, they, if, if you marry someone who's very attractive they they might be playing the field or uh-huh. that perhaps I think more clearly what they were saying was they were probably smitten by the looks and didn't look too much deeper into uh, the contract or as it were the social contract yes um, that they were entering into because uh, it's not just looks will fade mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and do people do people change their do people become if Griselda now went from someone with a kind heart and then when her brother left her the money she decided that she wasn't going to take all the money for herself she was actually going to take a reduced income and give the rest to building uh, and all the stipulations she got some accommodation in in the eventual building Uh, but then she becomes this um, vengeful Mm. Valkyrie is that? Yes Um, and that's quite a change around. How, how do you manage that in your life? Did some, do we know anyone who was kind and good and then suddenly the, the, the switch flipped? I can see how maybe there might have been an idea that um, that maybe, you know, this say if it was a part of her nature, that of being um, a, a pig or being sort of or um, ugly and monstrous that he would have had to come out eventually okay. that um, uh, you know that's oh not to be like oh that's just the sort of thing she'd do um, but that um, yeah I mean if, if, if people if, if all you hear about yourself is that you're a monster you know well perhaps she thought she'd finally um, crossed over into yeah. the promised land that yes. this guy it she'd nursed back from the edge of death and mm. um, would, would would accept her for the beauty inside her and then she realised that nothing was ever going to change 
and this is the way and she may have said then well if if I'm if this is the way it is then damn them all yeah um, but she didn't stop building the hospital no maybe she's maybe the, the, the commitment to building the hospital is too far gone the, the builder said to her look you've put all this money in now if you, yeah. you pull out now you're going to lose everything <laughs> yeah and there was no one there to say ah oh, cheer up love plenty more fish no 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 the brother was gone the parents yeah. were gone all she's left is the lonely walking the grounds. I don't know how big the grounds are of Stephen's hospital. Yeah, you don't know. You, it, it, you don't know what's what's at the back. There better be some acorns trees, like. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder though, peanuts. like the people who were, um, who were nursed and cared for in the hospital. Yeah. You know, um, perhaps some of them by her. Like, did they eventually? Like come to 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 see elements of her face behind the veil. If that had been the case, would it, would the story have changed? You know, maybe it would have been like you know, oh yeah, you're one up in in Stephen's hospital. Yeah, she's a pig, but she, she's a nice pig-faced woman. You know, okay. she'll do right by her. Okay, I yes, it's well. What's what's interesting is how many uh, these kind of stories are applied to particular people and places, and mm. um, they're. There aren't ma- that many of them. No. No. So this is this it's a standout. Yes. And you go, that's interesting. Um, and uh, I guess anyone who's in hospital, um, would probably have nothing bad to say about the, the care they got there. So, mm-hmm. they. So, it's. It, I wonder how um, extant these stories were, in her time, and whether it was an after thing. Of course. Mm. You never, no one ever saw her face. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you know, of course, the story. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I didn't want to say anything before she was in the ground. Mm-hmm. Would have been unfair, but now that she's, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we still have this trough, the silver yes, trough. Yes, yes, yes. Ever wondered why there was a boar on the trough? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now I'll tell you. Yeah, you buy the next round, I'll tell you the story of what happened. <laughs> and the pork scratchings with that. <laughs> that could very well have been the case. Yeah. Yeah. If we were, if I was telling that story again, I would have embellished it because a lot of houses would have had pigs um, nearby because you were they were eating these the cast off from from the households. Mm. So I wonder if there was a pig in the grounds of Doctor Stevens Hospital, and someone was walking by one day and they looked in the window and what was in there only a pig, and the reflection on the window and the whole thing going on mm. looked like there was a pig at the table eating its dinner. And then someone went, God, you yeah. And to go, yeah. And then the woman came out the door. <laughs> and I, when I was walking back, then after getting the bed, there was no pig in the room. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going like, what? And then somebody else goes, well, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, and they never throw anything. They never throw anything after the pigs. Like, mm. so who's eating all the food there? Who's eating all the turnip tops <laughs> and all those bits of, you know, the, the stalk of the broccoli that's too tough to eat? Yeah. Yeah, who's who's eating all that? So the story then begins, you know, and uh, as you can imagine, uh, stories embellished gets gets legs. Yeah. And suddenly away it goes. Yeah, and then if you're very lucky, um, I didn't see it myself. My cousin up the road saw the pig in the window, and he'll be down next Tuesday night. If you want to come round, <laughs> better bring a special bottle with you, and he'll tell you exactly. It's amazing how difficult life must have been for people with all of these um, 
what we would uh, treatable diseases that we we can actually discard now, we disregard now. Yes. Um, and we're 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 in the middle of a, a pandemic now, but um, it the the the, the um, we have a cure coming up. We have mitigation factors. We understand how the disease propagates. And in the past, there wasn't all that information or the availability of those communications no. or the HSE to handle it for mm-hmm. us indeed um, from their headquarters in Dr. Stevens Hospital. Um, so um, the entertainment provided, sorry, on, on in those days, the emotional roller coasters of people's lives must have been extreme. Yes. Going from uh, fabulous stories that could not be verified to afflictions that could not be understood, uh, running to the church on a Sunday for some kind of uh, eternal salvation. That and, mightn't have been understood either. And, and, and well, the mass was in Latin, and who was going to, who was going to tell you what was going on? <laughs> um, it was only the interpretation of your your priest who would tell you what 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 would way to be. Um, so, um, I think we're in this in this strange period now in the 20th century that we come into in this this mass communication you know penicillin was only in, it discovered after the second world war yeah and um, so it's extraordinary how we've we've, we've progressed um, and where we've ended up mm-hmm. or where we're heading towards we might leave it there then so nailed it down yeah. mm-hmm. okay we'll leave griselda stevens to wander around dr stevens's hospital and um, Tom, thank you so much thank you, for, for joining us today and for sharing all of your wisdom and insight. No. Thank you so much for joining us, folks. Uh, we hope that you follow our podcast wherever it is that you like to listen, where, whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And remember that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And... <laughs> And um, hopefully it isn't too hard to find some lovely thoughts and lovely deeds shining out of the people around you. (laughs) Um, That'll always look lovely. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye.